Alright, so, welcome back to the Duke Basketball Junkies. My name is Michael Eckstedt, and I'm here with my good buddy and uh, fellow Duke alum, Peter Rowe. How you doing, Peter? Excellent. Good week. Two wins? Fairly good week. Coach K comes back? You're not happy? I'm very happy Coach K's back. Yeah? You're not happy with the two wins? Games um, are too close? I'm saddened. I'm saddened. That I read Coach K. Do you know how many surgeries he's had since the end of last season after that Oregon game? Um, I, surgeries. I surgeries. How many? Take a guess. Four. More. Six? He's had five surgeries. 38? He's had five surgeries. That's a lot of surgeries. Five surgeries on his I would various things? I imagine most were on his lower back, but I know he's had like... Knee, knee issues, like hip replacements, stuff like that. Like Five surgeries seems like a lot, and he's 70. I really feel like the end is near. Should I just put him in a wheelchair and forget about operating? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm sad because I feel like the end is a lot closer than people might probably realize. Yet he came back, and he looked kind of spry on the sideline. Think they always like shot looks him up? good. Think they shot him up with cortisone? He was wearing a... a uh, back brace. Yeah. Um, you know, he looked, he, he obviously looks great, but it, it wouldn't shock me if he retired in the next two, maybe three years. Well, I think if he years. was going to retire at the end of this year, he wouldn't have had that, that surgery in the middle of the year. Um, but maybe, maybe two or three years. I mean, what were you thinking? He's already 70. Were you thinking, was he 69? I think the sixth son of a bitch is waiting for Jim Beheim to retire so that he can retire with the all-time wins record because he's <laughs> petty, and he's always been petty. That's awesome. That's a good take. I like that. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking Coach K would be done by now, 10 years ago. Yes. And uh, so he's already sort of, like, done it enough. Um, maybe he's going after, like, Joe Paterno's legacy in terms of, well, not that legacy, but... <laughs> The, the longevity at one place and, you know, coaching until a certain age. Probably not. Probably not. Not, just, not modeling his career. He probably just loves the kids, loves the process. You know, he's probably a process guy. I think I think he does less coaching work in terms of on the court. He's more of a manager at this point. And I think he just loves being around the program he's built. I think he's built a little basketball heaven for himself where he gets the most talented guys and does he want to walk away as he's getting you know number one number two recruiting classes every year it must be kind of difficult to put those toys away and, and retire quietly although maybe he won't retire quietly maybe he'll figure out some other kind of position with the team that isn't head coach no I disagree you think he's not, not going to show up to games and he lives right down the road. Yeah, but I mean, for, for somebody of his stature, like I just don't see him taking like a senior advisory role. I feel like he'd get in the way. He would be so big. He he, out of respect to whoever the next coach is, probably capable. Like he would probably want him to you know do his thing and not have this looming shadow over him. Jerry Colangelo who Coach K is pretty good friends with, yeah. uh, headed up the U.S. Olympic Committee, 
hot, you know, put Coach K in that job. He's a lifer, a basketball lifer. He's old as fuck, you know, and he, what are we talking? 85, 90? Yeah, he's he's in his eighties. He's in his eighties, and he still came back. He's still doing that. You know, he's about to step down. He like came in and took over operations for the 76ers last year. You know, left his son in charge of the, being the GM, and he still has a role. He's still involved with the NBA. And I wonder if Coach K looks up to him in a certain way and thinks, okay, well, I'm going to stay involved in basketball, stay involved in Duke in that kind of like senior executive role. I mean, he's got a beautiful office right there in that new annex. And I, I can imagine a scenario where where he stays involved, but, but not with the team on a day-to-day basis. Um, and would it be getting in the way, or would it just be like this awesome thing? Yeah, the guy who uh, coached LeBron and Kevin Durant and Kobe, you know, that guy, call those guys at a minute's notice, or their agents, and uh, he's in the building. You know, he's in, he comes in a couple times a week and uh, provides inspiration and, like, program stability. I don't know. It'd be cool. I, I can imagine him. I don't think he would do that. No? No. You think? What do you think it's going to look like? He's going to just kind of make an appearance once in a while? Like you think, like John Wooden? He's going to ride off into the sunset. And like uh, move? Is he, is he leaving North Carolina? You think he's going to become a Cameron crazy when he retires? <laughs> he's going to become the crazy towel waving guy? He's going to be that guy behind no. the bench like getting water for the... No. He's going to come out for special games, jersey retirements, you know, special occasions, but I, I don't think, I think he's so big. Like It depends on his he health. He can't just come out to every game. Yeah. It depends on his health. All right. Um, let's get into, well, well, you know, I have uh, on the schedule for us to talk about today, the Notre Dame game, uh, the Pitt game, uh, talk about sort of how Jeff Cable did now that he's handed the reins back. Um preview the Duke UNC game and um, kind of reevaluate where we're at you know a week later two wins later uh, with the season where we're heading what the possibilities are and then I thought we'd mention uh, a couple of our alums that one was traded Miles Plumley, and the other uh, was Jaleel. it Miles? you sure it was Miles? was it Mason? <laughs> Marshall? I can't, I can't even get their their names are always confusing to me uh or and uh, Jaleel Okafor, uh, hot trade rumors about him right now going around. So I thought we'd check in on, the, on those stories. But um, that's what we're going to try to do. Stay on topic, four or five straight topics, 10 minutes each. Notre Dame. 15. Let's go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame first. What'd you think? Notre Dame, you thought we were going to lose that game. I did? Well, that was the tough. Out of the five games that we pegged as the next five are kind of soft. And I said, hey, we could go 5-0 and in these games, but... Four and one would still feel really good about the season. Yeah. Um, the Notre Dame game, game was the game we were not supposed to be favored to win, and we ended up being a one point favorite. Yeah, we ended up being a small favorite because Notre Dame went on a sort of a bad run of results. The wheels have come off the Notre Dame wagon. Yeah. Uh, what did I think of the game? Sure. Uh, I, I thought it was our best. I thought it was sort of our best start to finish effort um, they looked somewhat unified uh, they took good shots Jason Tatum kind of stepped back from playing one-on-one 
Uh, I thought Kennard would would have more of a central ball handling role after you know after the previous game. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought it was a really good effort. I was proud of the team. What did you think? You did you so you thought he would set the ball more or the offense would flow through him? I thought they'd run I, it through I him. It, I thought it's what it did. I thought they'd run it through him more. Yeah. Than than what happened. Yeah. I was most looking forward to their defense. Um, the previous game to that was uh, Wake Forest, and I thought our defense was great the last three or four minutes when we made that comeback against Wake Forest. Remind me what happened in the Wake Forest game. I don't really remember. We were down, and did we we're, did we're, we come back and win that one? Just kidding. You're joking. Yeah, I'm joking. Okay. Yeah. When what a, what a, what a second half. I don't know that we paid. We're, you're talking about Wake Forest. <laughs> yeah, thirty points from Kennard in the second half. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, after that game, I thought they'd come back in the Notre Dame game and just do more of the same. Right. Give that give but, that guy the ball. But more important than Kennard's thirty point second half performance, which we've seen before, was the defense doing what it did. It basically shut out Wake Forest in the last four minutes of the game, and I think that that carried over to the Notre Dame game. Um, defense was good. It seemed more disciplined to me. The defense, like a yeah. little more, like every man for themselves more team oriented and this plan. was this was going to be a much much bigger challenge because Notre Dame's always top five offense in the country in terms of efficiency in terms of shooting well they're better shooters yeah they can all shoot but they want I, I wonder if they just match up more poorly with us because they don't have that super athletic pick and roll game yeah you know I mean Bonzi Wells has just made us his little bitch he never plays us without Putting up big numbers. He looked good in the first half. Um, he, I thought he looked good the whole game. Is his um, name Bonzi Wells? Bonzi Wells, yeah, great name. Bonzi, no, Bonzi Wells Colson. The, Bonzi, Bonzi Wells Colson. is a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> Bonzi Colson. Uh, lucky for us, Steve Asturia was struggling. Um, but no, like our defense was so good. They did a good job getting out on threes. They missed some. Like the last nine minutes of the first half, they didn't score a field goal. That's pretty long stretch, and it like a lot of their possessions went down to the last second, and they're chucking up low percentage shots, which is what you want a good defense to do. Um, but inevitably, in the second half, their offense is so good they made a comeback, they tie up the game, and then it it really seemed like in both the Notre Dame game and in the Pitt game, Grayson Allen sort of reemerges as you know a force. You know, I think. I feel like it, for him, it's been mostly confidence. You know, like he just had, so, he's had so many one for eight, two for 10 shooting nights that maybe his, the, the easy thing for him to do is to fall back into the facilitating passing type of role. But he's a great scorer, a great shooter. His and, shooting has been off, and, it, you know, he's had a couple of good shooting games lately. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like he played a lot more in control. Like he found that balance between. Control aggression. and the aggression yeah. that he that he that he lives off of, um, and he picked his spots really well. And maybe we're just being results oriented. He just happened to run good in that game. But but I do I did feel in like the, in the Notre Dame game. Yeah, yeah. I do. He f- started off one for six. I remember in threes, and then he made five out of the next six. Yeah, he played great down the stretch. He played shot really well in the second half of the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, both, 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 both games were, were sort of, you know, seesawing in the balance, like we could have lost him. And in the final three or four minutes, he he sort of emerged as, uh, 
He, he got there. He did it. You know, he was Grayson Allen for a little bit again. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he was ever that far off from there. I didn't think he played that poorly for stretch of the season, but I know he's still shooting he was going under forty percent. His shooting, yeah, shooting which is, has been off, which is awful. And he hasn't finished around the rim as well as he was. Yeah, I, I feel like that elevates his field goal percentage How about that a ton. Scoop shot that he hit. I think guess was lefty. Against, lefty. Hit the lefty scoop yeah. shot. Where he like fully extended, like it was, it was a super lucky shot. He'll never hit that again. <laughs> he, uh, I guess, he takes those shots. So once never, in a while, ever, he's gonna hit one. Never ever <laughs> ever will he hit his, that again. It was lefty, and he 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 did it with reverse English, like just just yeah. Can't so hit it again. Back to the Notre Dame game. Uh, Jason Tatum's rebounding. Yeah, rebound like an animal. His best his best rebounding game of his. Short Duke career, there were a ton of NBA scouts in the stands, and I think, good. I think he put on a show. But I think the important part for that, uh, and he did take the most shots. We're saying he played within himself, but he did he, take the most he took shots. High though. percentage shots. Yeah, you know, I the the announcer for the game was Dan Dakich, uh, who I they did a great job. I, I think he is fantastic. But he, so what he said about Jason Tatum is, he said, "I love Jason Tatum." From the free throw line in you know like I don't like him doing all these things 20 21 22 feet out taking these fadeaway jumpers just attack the basket and play from the free throw line in and you'll be fine even if you don't shoot a lot if you just set picks play defense rebound like crazy the the, the Duke offense has to go through Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard and then Jason Tatum has to play like a complimentary role but if he's attacking the basket from the free throw line in, he's he's fine and it seemed like Tatum did that for the Notre Dame game, and you can see his numbers. You know, he's had a lot of like Russell Westbrook type seven for twenty-two shooting games. In this one, he's eight for fourteen. Because well, I don't think he's ever taken twenty-two shots, but he has had some lower percentage. He's definitely had games. a seven for twenty-two game. He did. Russell Westbrook style. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, Duke Nation, and you and me both have issues with some of his shot selection, and uh, his tendency to play hero ball on offense and uh, it's kind of you know sometimes he makes a great pass but a lot of times he's definitely he just, made some good passes the last couple games a lot of times he just makes the decision like I'm going to take this turnaround jumper no matter what yeah and he's it, got it in his mind and he just goes in like two seconds later that's what he's done I'm going to drive to the rim he doesn't seem to change his mind in midstream as well uh, as I would think he could um yeah, I mean, so, po- po- yeah. possibly. You know, like, everyone's got to adjust to the pace of the game, especially ACC play. I mean, we're probably being too hard on Jason Tatum. Last year, Luke Kennard averaged 11.8 points a game, and he shot probably worse than Tatum shooting now. So, you know, maybe Tatum... I, I, Tatum was, obviously, he's not going to come back, but as a sophomore, I'm sure he would be insanely good oh, yeah. with a year's experience under his belt. I mean, he's 100% going to be a top-10 pick. Yeah, and uh, I was just saying hypothetically. Yeah, he's that, uh, that first year. It's just like an adjustment relative to whatever they played in high school. Yeah, well, he looked great. He looked great against Notre Dame. He, you know, nobody else was really uh, doing the things that he was doing on the court. So, you know, when he's not taking away the focus of the offense to an unnecessary degree, and he's playing within the team. He's an incredible asset. He impacts the game on a lot of different levels. Yeah. So many different levels. So the Notre Dame game, that was, that was the best win we've had. The only good road win we've had. Uh, we 
So we got over that, and it was Jeff Capel's last effort as the head coach. Right. And I'm glad he went out on a, on a high note. Um, and I wanted to say this about both Notre Dame and Pitt. Down the stretch, when we sort of lost some momentum. Where it seemed like the game could be lost, yeah. Yeah, we didn't crumble. We actually played better. We stayed focused. Yeah. And played as a team. So I think that, that was really, really encouraging. Um, should we get into the pit game? Sure. I mean, this team's got fortitude. Well, it's, the, it's got a, it's got a lot of experienced players that can uh, call on. It's got a bunch of different guys who can shoot the ball. I mean, yeah, of course. We got too many, too many cooks. It seems like, uh, and I guess what's happened in, in both that game and this game is it, it's become clear that you know what Bolden isn't going to be the guy getting big minutes. Giles isn't going to get that many minutes. Right, and. They're going to have to be role players. And, like, if they were thinking a month ago, I'm going to take over when I get in the game, they're, they're realizing that's, that is just, that's not the, the arc of the season anymore. What, that isn't happening. What do you think is going on with Bolden? I don't know what's going on with Bolden. I mean, it's I don't a, know Bolden. but it's, it's a very curious trajectory. Like I think what Cape, you Cape thought was Cape going on. Cable talked him up three weeks ago, said this kid's had a great week of practice. He plays 23 minutes. Plays well defensively, plays you know rebounds, scores some buckets, and then he yeah, pretty much hasn't stepped on the court in the last couple of games. The second half of the Miami game yeah. saves the season, partly right. saves the season along right. with Matt Jones with his like defensive pick and roll play. Um, but like maybe he doesn't match up well against certain teams who who are more guard heavy, but still like I don't think that's it. I think what happened is you know. I think he's staying. I don't think he's going to the draft. And um, I think it's become clear they don't need to service his needs to for playing time because he can he can make it happen next year. He can be the man more next year. And this year, we thought, okay, this guy's a huge talent, and oh, he's this is his coming out party. But it turns out he was just Jay Heaps. He was just uh, Jay Heaps. He was just one of these guys that came off the bench to give us some guts. Right, like a Vrankovic, like a Matt Christensen, and we don't actually need him to play big minutes. And the coaching staff must not think he's worthy of it. It turns out he's not—he's not a guy that's going to get consistent minutes on the team. And we thought it was just—we were just waiting for it to happen. It's not happening. It's, <laughs> it's not happening. Chase Jeter's not getting big minutes. This guy's well, not getting Chase big Jeter minutes. Chase Jeter is injured. Yeah, but even when he comes back, I don't think he's getting big minutes. And if he does, he's. Bolden's not going to play at all. If well, if we the rotation, if we, if we look at the the pit box score, and if we look at Coach K's history, Coach K no shortens one's, no one's going no to play. Like look yeah. at Pitt. Pitt was a, a close game, and Giles 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 had his best stretch of basketball. Only played in the first half. Didn't play in the second half. Yeah, he played seven minutes in the first half. Had a couple of big plays. Hit a yeah. jump shot from the eighteen About, feet on yeah. the on the baseline. You know, he's always like a decent rebounder. His defense wasn't that bad. It was the best stretch of basketball he's played. And never played. In the and they can get back in the game because Coach K doesn't like going to his bench. <laughs> in in close games that he might lose. So if Capel was the coach the rest of the way, I'd say Giles is going to get more minutes than he otherwise would. Bolden would would be peppered in there, but under Coach K, the rest of the stretch, I think Bolden's just he's just a reserve. I, don't, I mean, you're asking me what's going to go on with him. 
He'll play next string if he doesn't transfer or leave or go to draft. How how would you feel if you were his his parents? He chose to come to Duke. He knew Harry Giles. He knew Jefferson. I guess they probably thought Giles would play four and he could play five. I know nothing gets promised to these kids. Yeah. And he was injured. Right. And they're probably thinking it was just sort of a, a little bit of a waste of a year because of the injury more than anything. And then turns out there's so many talented guys in front of him. And, but I, I would be frustrated if I played that well in the second half of the Miami game. And I, I'm just not getting minutes. I played one minute against Pitt, a game that we're up. We were even up like 15 points. You know, like, Were we? We were up that big? I, just, I ended up being an eight-point game. I, I well, just, maybe not. I just feel like with with uh, Bolden and Giles, it's, yeah, it's, it it's almost inexcusable that they don't get like 15 minutes a game, 15, 20 minutes a game. <clears throat> yeah. Bar, I, barring like specific game conditions. like. Well, this is how we started the year, talking talking yeah. about like the fact that they're only playing five or six guys and not going to seven and eight. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the pit box score – Alan and Kennard play 40 minutes each. 40 minutes. Like, okay. <laughs> we have eight games left. Like, five or six of the eight are going to be super challenging. I mean, Coach K is just going to ride these horses till they die. Like, he's going to play them 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 38 minutes. Yeah. These kids going to run out of gas. Yeah, I don't know that in, it's in coincidence March. that Kennard's missing shots down the stretch. He goes two for seven from three, playing 40 minutes when he was shooting so well playing 33. Yeah, you know, uh, but we can get into that later. Sure, sure. Uh, don't go too far. We we talk about that all the time. Um, but yeah, if I'm Bolden, I'm not super happy. But I don't know if he has any recourse. You know, other than the go to Europe and play. No, well, I don't. I don't know if he's gonna do that. I just mean, like, his recourse is to to become a dominant big man right now, and they'll put him in because they could use a dominant big man, but. You know, other than that, it doesn't seem like he's getting in there. Um, and uh, I was surprised Giles didn't play in the second half for sure. Uh, so I mean, G- Giles is on a per minute basis is a better rebounder and scorer than Emil Jefferson. Yeah, he's probably a significantly worse defender. But Emil came back and played really well against Pitt. Yeah, he seems to be more healthy and okay. Right. Uh, it was encouraging. He's scoring well. Yeah. He's attacking the basket. Yeah, he's, yeah, he looks a little more like he did in the beginning of the year. Um, everybody else played pretty well. Pitt came back, or Pitt kept it close. They, yeah, they made, I, it, they made I didn't a game feel of like, it. I didn't feel like we played bad. I thought we played well. And just, they played pretty decent, even yeah. though we were a bigger favorite. We didn't cover the spread, all that stuff. But Yeah, the the Pitt game isn't super fresh in my mind, but I do recall, even, even though we had a handful of very like nifty assists, I didn't feel like the offense really flowed. I felt like the offense was sort of stagnant. Well, I mean, I, just, I thought we actually played, like, you know, the, yeah, the offense, it wasn't our best offensive game. But, you know, back to the defense, just because I think it, it's a little more important, like the story of the season is how we're playing team defense. I thought we actually played really good defense against Pitt as well. Uh, we gave up 64 points in the game. But like, but it was it was going it was going towards a low scoring game. I, I mean I agree with you. I was I was pretty happy with the defense as the game played on. But they scored sixty four. But it seemed like they hit so many tough shots. Like contested, Young had Young was being contested and like really making tough shots. 
so I did feel I mean they didn't make a lot of threes that's the other side of the coin yeah but I thought it was a real solid defensive effort like we weren't giving up super easy baskets left and right in either of these games like we had right um, I, I feel like they still had a, a bunch of um, easy paint paint buckets they did like, but they just... were they felt earned they felt more earned yeah um, you know Anyhow, uh, yeah, on the offensive side, we, we, we should flow better. We should be more efficient. Um, we hit a lot of threes against them, but uh, I'm not worried about our offense, you know, long term. Right. I was worried about Jason Tatum taking over too often. Now I'm less worried about that. He only shot seven times against Pitt. And, yeah, um, I, was, I, wonder, I wonder if somebody sat him down. Well, my guess is I wonder if he, they did too. They said, "Hey, Jason, look at look at these box scores. You know, you're shooting seven for twenty-two because you're taking fadeaway twenty-two foot jumpers." I mean, it must have been pointed out to him, not just by the coaching staff, but by Twitter, by by his his, his next agent. I mean, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to look like an inefficient basketball player. He doesn't want to be a guy who has a low true. Field goal percentage, yeah, right. These like advanced stats, like you know, they're kind of important to people now. And I think even the young guys know their numbers. And so my guess is he himself was looking at the numbers and where his people were, and they know they're aware. And he's thinking, I got to get more efficient. And he's you give people a lot of credit. <laughs> you don't think these guys do that? Uh, no, that's the currency these no. days. With I feel like NBA I feel scouting. like I feel like Nate James sat him down and yeah. tried to explain to him. Nate might you, be the guy. You, to you do need it. to shoot higher percentage shots because that's going to help the team. We're going to win. You can't be taking these shots where you're only like twenty twenty five percent to to make the basket. You're hurting the team. Yeah. What was nice about the win is that it was it was a tough game against like a like a senior laden team. You know, Pitt, Pitt's Pitt. old. Yeah. yeah, Pitt. Despite their terrible record, they they gave UNC a, a heck of a game. The they lost game. by two yeah. in at the Dean Dome. Yeah, and yeah. I think they had to lead the majority of the game. Um, yeah, they're 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 better than their record. They're one and nine in conference, so they're, they're obviously not a great team. They're the two high scoring guys in the ACC. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good win. Uh, it was a good week. Good week. It's it's yeah, definitely good for our team. You know, we've got we've strung together. Three wins now. It would have been nice to be on like a five or six game winning streak if we just held up NC State, but we still have to take it. We're nineteen and five, which is very comparable to a lot of the top teams in the country. But we have a big test coming. We got a bunch of big tests coming, uh, but biggest game of the year, home against North Carolina. Yes, that's uh, that's Thursday. It's Tuesday now, so two days away. Any chance we can watch it together? Probably. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> the baby the baby is, has been like a pretty consistent performer. Yeah. She's uh she's two weeks she's fifteen days old now and she's survived. You know, she's doing okay. She's uh she's not spinning up as much as expected. She was she's like overperforming um you know, on the spit up part of it. She's overperforming on, on sleep consistency. Um you know she's got good neck control. She's got she's got excellent length. Yeah, we're we're excited about her, her prospects. 
Nice. Yeah, she's not committing a lot of turnovers, and we, you know we've 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 kind of like rounded our form. Our game is coming into into shape as well as parents. That said, I don't know if I can leave the house on a Thursday uh, afternoon, early evening, or not. I definitely can't commit to doing it, but I will ask the boss. I'll make alternative plans. <laughs> yeah, it would be good if we could watch that one together, um, as we uh, we usually do. Yeah, as long as you don't get too angry during the game about missed free throws. <laughs> uh, it would be good. Yeah, it would be good to do. Uh, have you? Do you know anything about this UNC team? I watched the the Villanova Duke, uh, Villanova UNC national championship game last year at the Washington Duke at the bar actually, with uh, with Josh Spiegel. Uh, that was kind of awesome place. It was kind of an awesome place to watch it. What were you doing there? Uh, I was there. I took the family to to see the campus. Oh, that's right. On that's a spring right. break type trip. Right. You saw a bunch of things in North Carolina, right? Yeah, we spent three days at the Washington Duke, and you know, I showed my nine-year-old the campus, and yeah, you know, she's she's ready for college already, and um, it was a nice little trip. I hadn't been to the area in a while, um, but I happened to be there for the championship game, and one of the all-time greats, great games. That shot, the the shot that that uh, Marcus Page's shot, the double clutch shot, one, and one then, of the luckiest shots ever. One of the luckiest shots ever, or just double clutch. One of the most incredible. Down. I mean, amazing. It was an amazing shot. By yeah, I mean, he's always going to be remembered for that shot. But it would have gone down as maybe maybe the greatest all-time shot, along with like Leitner, if they won the game. But they didn't, and how sweet it was that they didn't. And Villanova came down, executed that play. Archie not. How do you say his name? Ryan Archidiakono. Yes. Threw it to that other dude. Who, Chris Jenkins. Yes. Who uh, just stuck a stake in UNC's heart. Phenomenal. And we had a couple UNC fans at the Duke Bar for some reason. And uh, What are they doing there? Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know. Apparently they needed a place to stay. That was, that was nice. Maybe they had a golf. Yeah, it's, it's surprising. That, that UNC team lost Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, two critical pieces, and yet they're still like a top 10 team. Well, Marcus Page was, a speaking of efficiency, a pretty relatively low efficiency player for a, his senior for a big year. star. His senior year. Especially his senior year. Yeah, he. I mean, he struggled with the shot his entire senior year. I mean, that probably affected yeah. his numbers. Bryce Johnson can jump out of the gym. Bryce Johnson was the most efficient player. Right, but they had reinforcements. Yeah. So I, I haven't watched them this year. I haven't played you know more than a few minutes. Uh, They're lay down some knowledge on me, Peter. What do you think? You I mean UNC is is, is great. I've I've always thought the world of Joel Berry the second their point guard uh, seems very cool headed. Uh, has got a great shot, but the the biggest thing for this this team is Justin Jackson. He's he's one of those sort of standard like. Uh, small forward for UNC, like very athletic. Think like JP Tokido. Um, Justin Jackson was was projected maybe late first round, early second round uh, last year if he had decided to come out. But he's he decided to stay, work on his game, and he just apparently just worked on his three point shot every day this summer because this this year he's shooting pretty close to forty percent from three. And How tall is he? Uh, my guess would be like six 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 seven, and that that was his biggest liability as a player. The, his first two years, he he was a poor shooter. Um, yeah. So now Justin Jackson is a stud. Joel Bear's a stud, and they always play two big guys: Isaiah Hicks and Kennedy Meeks. 
Um, they both clean up the glass, and, and they're giants. Feels like Kennedy Meeks has been there for 10 years. Yeah, he's been there a long time. <laughs> uh, but UNC always plays too big, so I wonder how Duke is going to play. Like, can Jason Tatum body up either Meeks or Hicks, or are we going to play two bigs, Giles, Giles and Jefferson? Man, I'm going to have a nightmare tonight about thinking about Harry Giles trying to play Kennedy Meeks. Just getting <laughs> shoved around. Why is it that we just get killed by fat big guys every time they're in the game? Like, I'm not saying Kennedy Meeks is super fat, but he's like a little, he's, yeah, little chunky, he's, right? He's a little bit chunky. It's a little Sean May-esque. Yeah. But, you know, the randomly, like, Pitt, Pitt had a, was it Pitt? Pitt had a, like a guy who was over 400 pounds and lost 100 pounds to, yeah. to play a role <laughs> on the team this year, and he's like still over 300 pounds. That guy comes in the game, shivers ran down my spine, dude. <laughs> and he comes in and he just... Immediately, like you know, makes a couple of plays. It's like we just have no low post defensive presence. Uh, nobody, nobody can like get a low center of gravity and like shove a guy out like that. Should be, should be Bolden's role. Just to get the fat guys. I feel like against UNC. Yeah, I mean, Bolden should get the get the fat. I, I still feel like G- Giles still lacks that lateral lateral quickness. I feel like he does. We, yeah. We're gonna need Bolden in this game, but I don't think Coach K trusts him. I wonder. I wonder if Coach K. So we're probably gonna go undersized. We're, we're, <clears throat> yeah. He's probably gonna stick Tatum on him, and then I. I feel like Tatum's just gonna get in foul trouble. Yeah, that is a problem when we're only playing five or six guys. The foul trouble. It's happened a few on a few games this year, and yeah, especially the, against the a Notre team Dame game, that's I just, think we had a few foul out. Yeah, Jefferson a, and Kennard. A deep Carolina team that's real athletic are gonna give us problems on that end of the court. I hope Coach K comes into this game fired. I hope he's been thinking about this game for for the whole time he was out. And I hope he's been like I, scribbling in a notebook and he's got it all designed like, you know, the old some, Coach K. Some master plan to beat him? The old Coach K was best as an underdog. I wonder if that guy's coming coming out of the woodwork for this game. When was he best as an underdog? When was he best as an underdog? Yeah. He's Are you only, kidding me, dude? He's only won the national championship of, as a one seed. Have you ever heard of UNLV? Yes, I've heard of UNLV. Right. They, were, was, was one they were undefeated in the greatest college basketball team of all time. And so when, there's a little team called Duke. Who little was a team? Double-digit underdog going into that game. They had gotten they, beat by to the, 30 points the year before. They'd been to the Final Four five out of the previous seven or eight years. David versus Goliath. Okay. That's what that game was. That's, uh, and, I, I agree with you. And, but you said always, so I'm yeah, trying to think, when else were we an underdog? Well, that's the big memorable one. I could I could break out my list. When we're a big favorite in championship-type games, we were, you know, against Butler, we got outcoached. Uh, against uh, UConn, a couple of those UConn games where we were favored. Uh, I'll think of some more underdog underdog. No problem. I'm just giving you a hard time. But but yeah, I mean, I want coach. I hope Coach K's got got a plan. Yeah, because Roy Williams. He doesn't really have to try that hard to outcoach Roy Williams. <laughs> well, Roy Williams, uh, he's just doing the same thing. They're playing their principles. Yeah, they just they just stick to you know, they're they're the it's people good who like you know, they just stick with the girl that that got us there. Is that the saying? Yeah, so I'm looking at the ESPN page here and looking at how the teams match up. And very, very comparable offensively. Very comparable in terms of like point production. UNC's out, you know, got a little more production. 
we shoot a slightly higher percentage, they they pass the ball better. They, they have a lot more assisted field goals than we do. 18 and a half a game versus our 14. Um, that's, so, that's interesting. So they move the ball well. So yeah. That doesn't bode well for us given we... The, they, they always play that, at, at a higher tempo, higher pace. Yeah, that little thing called the pass has been uh, our Achilles heel, defending the pass. <laughs> That's been our problem this year. You know, teams that pass the ball to each other have been able to uh, get easy baskets against us. So this is the big test. At, and it's at home, and it's the game we're supposed to win against these guys. Do you know what the line is? The lines don't come out until the night before. What um, do you think the line's going to be? I think it will be very close to Pickham. I think it'll be like Duke minus one, one and a half. Um, so yeah, UNC has those two bigs. They've got Justin Jackson who's playing well, Marcus, uh, Joel Berry in the second. Um, I think Theo Pinson is coming back off injury. He's, he's like a six six defensive guy. Um, so I, I feel like they'll stick him on Kennard. They've got a, a rookie big guy, Bradley, who is is pretty pretty promising. Uh, should see him come off the bench. Um, but I'm I'm actually really interested to see how Coach K responds to their typical two two big guys on the court all the time. You know. Yeah, I mean, like, in the old days you want to match up. These days, maybe going playing small ball is a good strategy. I mean, they rebound so well. Yeah, you know, they clean up the glass. But yeah, it it should be it should be. So let me let me ask you this question. Has has our current team done anything to you to demonstrate that they could win a national championship? Yeah, I think they've they've played stretches of offensive basketball, and that that look <laughs> that look like they're on fire. Okay, I, I agree with you. They looked phenomenal against UNLV and Georgia Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech at home, but that doesn't mean you can win a national championship. Uh, yeah, no, they're going to have to improve. What suggests to me they can win the national championship is just the overall like level of talent not necessarily their their team playing chemistry yeah. and not their their toughness but but they're getting tougher and they're getting healthier and uh, yeah I mean I, I think they're one of the teams yeah so l- let me let's cut contrast this year's team with the national t- championship team of 2015 yeah like the very first time I thought wow this team could win it all is when they went to the Cole, the Cole Center in Wisconsin and played number two Wisconsin, Wisconsin who was coming off a Final Four trip. <clears throat> they had Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker, Nigel Hayes, Bronson Koenig. That's a game we watched together they, at the District Kitchen. They beat them. That Duke team beat them on the road by 10 points. And I was like... Decisive, yeah. I was like, Tyus Jones looked like an animal. Okafor looked great. I was like, this team, yeah. if they can beat Wisconsin in Wisconsin, I feel like this team could win it all. And it wasn't just that game. Like, that, that year was filled with, they went to Louisville, beat a top 10 Louisville team. They went to Virginia, beat a top, I think Virginia was number two that year. They beat them. They beat UNC twice that year. So, like, when you're beating top 10 teams consistently, you can probably string together four, five, six wins in, in March. But the team that we have, outside of maybe a win against Florida, Notre, well, the Notre Dame, Florida, win. Notre Dame, Rhode Island, like are those? We played against are those Miami our, in the second half. Are those our signature wins? Like, well, they're coming, dude. 
we got eight games in front of us, yes. and five or six of them are just balls games. Right. And if look, if we can win some of these types of games, then I, I guess I would feel a little bit more hopeful going into the into the tournament. But if we can't, then we're just a fraud. Most of the time, teams don't turn it on in the postseason and like become a different team. But this team is one of those. That could turn it on. It's one of those situations where we could be a completely different basketball team because we get healthy, because we develop chemistry, because you know Coach K comes back with his, you know, and they they craft the team down the stretch. If you remember uh, the Boozer, you know, the Boozer injury year where we won the national championship. Yeah, we didn't look like a national championship team for most of that year. We were a little soft, and then I disagree. But I mean, it's been so far back, yeah, 15 years. Well, that was Shane Betty's senior year. Well, you know what it was? It he, was more that was, when Boozer went down, we didn't think it was there was a chance. Yeah, because right? we didn't have any Sanders, bigs. Casey Sanders yeah. came in and played big. Casey Sanders was so skinny. Yeah. It, you know, it doesn't really matter whether we think they've played like national champions yet because that's not what determines who wins a national championship. What determines it is how you're playing in March. And that that's it. Like you got to get them to the tournament. You can't be a, you know, if they're an eight or a nine seed, they're gonna have a tough time. But if they get a relatively high seed, well, it's anyone's what, ball game. Do you know what we're projected at? No. What, what do you think? Five. 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 Okay. I mean, Tom Izzo has done very well with four, five, and six seeds. Coach K, if he's not a one or two seed, has never succeeded. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't. Maybe he did in the eighties. I was a little kid back then. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, this is a unique year. There's a lot of stuff going on, and the team could gel. That's what we need. We need them to gel. We need their talent to come together in a way that makes sense. Yeah. The jigsaw puzzle needs to be put together. I guess we could go back and to Kansas. Kansas provided hope. You know, we played them well without any of our freshmen. But, you know, look back at, look back at the Arizona National Championship with uh, – you know, Miles Simon, look back at, uh, you know, Kansas with Danny Manning. Look back at, um, you know, that Kentucky team that that, that won as a relatively low seed, uh, you know, like, what was that, like four or five years ago? Um, I mean, low uh, seeds the, do win tournaments. Oh, and the maybe, Anthony Davis team? I thought they were a one seed. No, not the Anthony Davis team. The other team. That's the only Calipari Kentucky team that's won it all. Hmm. I think you're talking about the eight seed that lost in the title game yeah, to yeah, yeah. Uh, UConn. Yes, that's it. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, a that lot could of examples. A lot of examples of like teams with big talent that don't necessarily play like a championship team throughout the course of a season. You know, it's all doable. It happens. It happens in the NFL. You know, maybe we'll be like the the Giants that beat the Patriots on that catch. Maybe. Um. So, Duke-UNC, uh, how are you feeling? Do you think we're going to win the game? I hope we win this game. It would, it would, that would be the... If we don't win this game, real big win. we can cancel all our Arizona plans for the Final Four. Just cancel the hotel room. I don't know if that's true. I don't think we match up particularly well against this team, but we'll see. We, it's, it's just pandemonium as soon as the game starts. And, like, things happen. Stuff shifts. Guys like, you know, that year we had Austin Rivers, we weren't that, that amazing a team. 
we we beat UNC, you know, in, in a game we shouldn't have won. Like, yeah, this this rivalry happens. brings out a lot of yeah. great games. Yeah, ton of great games. It's the greatest. Uh, the only thing I don't like is the camera angle on the court for the for the Cameron home game. Yeah, and, you know, I don't like that Dick Vitale always has to do the game. Yes, I don't think he's done a game in a long time. No, you don't think Dickie V's gonna be there? I think it's probably gonna be like Jay Billis and somebody. He's definitely doing less games than he used to. Dick Vitale. Yeah. 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 I haven't even thought about him that much lately. Did you ever go to a Duke UNC game when you were at Duke? I got shut out by a by the line monitor. Oh man, you were like the next person in. They they shut out like five or six tenths. We were one of them. Apparently, the line monitor had an online gambling problem, and he was selling he was selling spaces. It was a pretty big story. Really, I don't even remember that. Yeah, I don't remember because we were just always in the top ten of tenths. <laughs> we just kept we just camped out the whole winter. We kept it going the whole time for uh, through A Pi. The but you, I didn't remember that you ever camped out. You just uh, you tried it one year, like it was senior year. Yeah, like two or three days before the game. No, no, no. I mean, we had been camping out for probably, I can't remember, at least two weeks, maybe three or four weeks. That's a fucking tragic story, dude. Yeah. You got shut out. Should have brought a lawsuit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It was. Maybe they just didn't like the cut of your jib. But five or six tenths, guys, I kind of remember this. Yeah. That's terrible. It was a pretty big story. Yeah, that wouldn't happen nowadays, I don't think. Probably not. Um, Curious to know exactly, like, what the changes have been. Uh, Policy-wise? Maybe we'll have somebody on, you know, in the off-season uh, at some point. Who's, who's a current student? Yeah, like a line monitor guy or something, or someone who could tell us more recently about what the changes. Back then, it was, you know, three out of five, ten checks within 48 hours and then of the game. And then, uh, you know, once you got that, you were good. You had to line up X number of hours before the game. The other times, and it wasn't like within 48 hours of the game, you just had to have one person from a 10 person tent yeah. be there you know and you could you could get dinged like once every so often and just miss you know um, but yeah so uh, Duke UNC at home can't wait huge game um, I do th- I do still think we're a national championship possibility I think this game and the, all the games coming up provide plenty of opportunity to sort of make your bones as a championship team for them to get the right kind of team pride, team unity, team accomplishment to build off of. And I think they've already started doing it. And I think these guys have a lot of ego, a lot of basketball ego to begin with. They're all stars. Like, I don't think we have to worry about Grayson Allen just deciding he's a loser and like just keeping his head down the rest of the year. Luke Kennard, same thing. Tatum obviously thinks he's, he's big time. Like, I don't think we have to worry about those guys. See, you know, I, I disagree. I feel like Matt players, Jones players struggle with their confidence all the time. You like, think Matt like, Jones is struggling with his confidence right now? But, or Neil no, no, Jefferson? Like, who do you think is struggling with their confidence? Marquise Bolden? Yeah, Chase, he's not even on Chase the, Jeter? Those guys, I yeah. feel like Grayson was struggling with his confidence uh, shooting-wise. His scoring average, his three-point shooting. Um, like, it just... Frank Jackson. What do you think is going through Frank Frank Jackson's mind? You think he's happy? We haven't mentioned being sort Frank of, Jackson. Being sort of, sort of like the fifth wheel on this on this team. Well, here's the thing: Frank Jackson played more like a point guard this past week than he had the rest of the season. He was actually given the ball, and I think there were some orders to like he started 
Yeah, I think started, Matt, Jones, big Matt Jones was a game time decision. He injured something. Okay, that's that's the reason for the an, bigger role. Another secret injury. So that's the thing. I thought they were going to run the offense more through Kennard. Yeah, and they they ran it they ran it through Frank Jackson a decent amount, and he he, well, he made know. some nice plays. Yeah, I don't know if they ran it through him. I mean, he brought the ball up and initiated it. Yeah, but, but the well, it primarily was, goes through Grayson. It was Luke. more Grayson, but uh, I th- I think I think that's good for the team. Yeah, you know I think Grayson Allen gets a little tired being the point guard, uh, and it's could partially account for a shooting percentage drop. All right, well, um, let's move on to the next topic. Yeah? Sure. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, We'll talk about some of these uh, NBA moves, some of the Duke guys in the NBA. Um, We'll check in for a second. Miles Plumlee got traded. Plumlee's still in the league? Plumlee was on the Bucks. Is that just the worst destination ever? If you were, if you're an NBA player, you don't want to be on the Milwaukee Bucks. It's got to be the smallest. Why do you say that? The city? Yes. I mean, it's near Chicago. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's near Chicago. I mean, the weather's not great. What's nice there is you're a big shot. No. You know, like it's not nice. Nothing about Milwaukee is nice. They should contract the team. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee's been a team for a long time. They have a big basketball history. When I was growing up, I used to watch uh, the 76ers, Dr. J teams play against Terry Cummings, Paul Pressey. When's the last time the Milwaukee Bucks signed a big-time free agent? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't When's know. When's the last time they signed a free agent? Must have been... The uh, free agents they signed Vin Baker. are the free agents who are out of options. I think that's like, changing. Like, like Corey Maggette at the end of his, his career. Like Nobody wants to go to Milwaukee. I think they, they might now a little more than they used to. Yeah, they're not signing LeBron, but they got Giannis. The great not freak. as a free agent. Jabari. I know, not but I'm telling you, guys go places where they can win championships, and they have one of the best young cores in the league. Yes. They just don't have Miles Plumlee anymore. <laughs> Plum, Plumlee's numbers plummeted, right? Plumlee, I mean... Plumlee's been around the, the block a few times. He's yeah, but I felt like he w- he had a much bigger role like two, three, four years ago. Uh, yeah, you know the first basically his rookie year he sat the bench in Indiana, and then um, started for Phoenix. Yes, you know just flat out started for him. Almost averaged a double double. And like a, a team that that played above expectations. Yeah, and I remember like thinking, oh. Plumlee's going to be a better NBA player than he was a college player. Like, yeah. he's athletic. He could run down the court. Like, in the NBA, it's a lot more important that you can, like, run end-to-end and jump jump and jump defend the, the rim. And, you know, he's just going to be, like, a high-efficiency, low-usage offensive player and a good defender who can bang. Um, and I think, you know, there's still some hope he can do that. But it's kind of weird. Uh, I feel like he's lost weight. Like he's a lot like he's thinner. It might just be that guys are bigger in the NBA. But I, I stood behind him in line at the the national championship game two years ago, getting some snacks. And did you talk to him? I wasn't one hundred percent sure it was him. He had like some <laughs> facial hair. He was so thin that it didn't strike me that it could be him. I, I thought it was him, but I just wasn't one hundred percent sure. And he was with his girlfriend or wife, and yeah. I didn't want to bother him. I, I'm not the kind of guy who goes up to people and strikes up conversations if I don't know him. 
But um, didn't you do that to Nolan Smith later later on that night? I did. I did. Not a conversation. Take a selfie. I just took a selfie with him. You know. So, got to call bullshit on you. You saying you don't like to talk to these guys? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the only player with player selfie I've ever taken. And uh, and uh, Smitty's an exception. Yeah, I feel like I have a connection with him. (laughs) You know, his dad grew up a Seventy Sixer, or he was growing up. His dad was a Seventy Sixer, and I was. A fan. I was a big Derek Smith fan, um, and I actually I got this chance to say I saw his dad play and that I appreciated how good a player he was and all that stuff. But I didn't have a whole conversation. It was still like you know twenty seconds. Right. He was just standing there all alone. If he was there with his girlfriend, I wouldn't have gone up to him or his wife. Um, I have no idea if these guys are married or not. I don't care. Was Miles Plumley? Is he is he going to play? So Plumley was on the Bucks. Signed with he got. I don't know if he got traded to the Bucks or. Got signed with the Bucks. I guess he got traded to the Bucks at some point. And he was playing, you know, he was at a like a small role and yeah. now he just got traded to Charlotte. Charlotte. For like an other like basically the trade was considered uh, like an exchange of unwanted players. Okay. Except Charlotte apparently kinda wanted Plumley and they, I, I, I sort of like when Duke and UNC players go to Charlotte. Yeah, it makes me feel good. Yeah. yeah. Gerald Henderson played there for a while. Right. You know, who's on there? Is a, it's Tyler Zeller? No, it's Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller, Indiana. But like I, I felt like Raymond Felton had a stint there. Anyway, so he goes there, and is he expected to contribute? Or is he is he just... He's played one game so far, and he played 18 minutes, and he's, you know, scored four points. Uh, he had eight rebounds. Why not? I mean... He might. He's just got to keep competing and earning it. Uh, Charlotte is decent, right? Charlotte is a borderline playoff team, but they've played bad as of late. They started off the year really good. Kemba Walker's their best player. Yeah. And uh, they they looked like they they were going to be... uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Yeah. Yeah. And Frank Kaminsky? Frank Kaminsky. Yep. They have uh, Cody Zeller. I I remember Michael Jordan was roasted for taking Kaminsky over Justice Winslow in that draft, but it doesn't seem like that big of a mistake anymore. I feel like Kaminsky could be. Kaminsky is probably be. valued higher than Okafor at this point. Okay. Uh, yeah, Kaminsky looks pretty decent. And he shoots well still. Uh, yeah, basically Plumlee's in that 4-5 rotation with Zeller, Kaminsky, uh, but he's coming off the bench. And I mean, I'm impressed that he's been in the league this long. He's like had a role. He got signed to a decent contract. He's making some money. When he was at Duke, I didn't think he was going to be an NBA player. I mean, he mm. never never averaged 10 a game at Duke. Yeah, but again, like, the college numbers don't necessarily translate. Yeah. It's just height and athleticism, I think, is primary. Yeah, we could use him this year. We could use a lot of people this year. We could yeah. use Tyus Jones this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm shocked. Shocked. Marshall's in the NBA. And I'm, I'm just mildly surprised that Miles has been as good as he has. Marshall seemed like the least athletic by far out of the three Plumleys. Yeah, although the by most far. vocal leader, maybe. I don't know. I don't, Mason I don't know if I buy that. Mason ended up becoming the leader. Um, so, yeah. So, good luck, Miles Plumley. Uh, you know, hopefully he just continues to be productive and have a good NBA career, stays in the league a long time. Uh, but, no, he's not... He's not Knocking down the door of a huge role. And then the other big one, uh, yesterday it broke that Jaleel Okafor was 
likely or is it going to happen? Maybe likely. It might have happened while we've been talking, but the Pelicans uh, were interested in Okafor um, to pair him alongside Anthony Davis, uh, you know, and Drew Holiday to uh, you know to be a offensive threat. And you know, if he gets beat all the time, Anthony Davis has his back, I guess. Now that's a guy we could use, Anthony and they're, Davis. They're actually talking about sending a first-round pick for Okafor. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, 2018, and they're arguing over the protections. Philadelphia floated out there that there's like a bunch of teams interested. But it's clear the Sixers are going to move Okafor for something. And you know, Sixers Twitter at this point has given up on Okafor, and they just they just can't stand him, right? Because he doesn't play any defense, and they refer to him as a as a black hole on offense as well because he doesn't pass. And his free throw percentage has gone down recently. And, gone you know, down? It was never that high. Uh, last year he shot 70? above expectation. I would think 70% is his ceiling. Yeah, like high 60s. But in college he shot like closer to 50%. Yeah, he was awful. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like he went, he started last night against the Pistons. And, right. You know, felt like they were, they were showcasing him a little. And he had a decent game. Uh, he scored 16 points on eight made field goals. I think, but he went 0 for 5 from the line, and he, he only grabbed two rebounds, I think, maybe three, and like they weren't even like rebounds he had to fight for. Yeah. You know, he's... That's pretty inexcusable. He just isn't rebounding. Two boards. At the NBA level, and he just looks disheartened, like, like he's slower than I ever realized he was, and I don't know if it's the knee, because he's had knee problems, he had to get meniscus surgery at yeah. the end of last year, missed the last 30 games of the year. And meniscus isn't supposed to be that serious, but he's still listed on the injury report with you know, knee soreness, knee swelling. Um, and I know he didn't practice much preseason, and in the offseason he couldn't really work out at full strength. Like he got invited to the Olympic uh, practice team, but he couldn't play. He was just there in Vegas, here, here in Vegas. So, you know, the homer in me wants to just make excuses for him and say, you know what, he just hasn't really been able to play himself in the shape and his knee, which should be scary to anyone, but um, but the truth is, you know, if you just take what he's done on the court, he just looks like a steaming pile of dog shit everywhere, <laughs> every moment on the court except... When he has the ball on the box. Yeah, or like moving, you know, when he's decisively moving towards the rim, he still gets his shot blocked all the time. I would I would guess he has less than less than five contested dunks since he entered the NBA. I mean, if it's just him in the basket, he'll jump up and dunk, but he doesn't go that strong to the rim. He doesn't finish that well. It's um it's surprising. You know. But that said, he's one of the most productive offensive young guys in the league for the last two years. And so teams still want him. And I know the Sixers are eager to move him for something. Partly because they just have too many big guys. They have four centers. I'm surprised that teams that need a, a scoring big haven't gone after them. This is the way the NBA is going. It's away from low post offense. Yeah. And if you're not a rim protector, you can't block shots on the defensive end, play good team defense, close out on three-point shooters, even as a big man. Because you got to guard guys like Porzingis. Uh, then all you're doing is like hurting your team on the one end of the court and slowing it down on the other. And, like, Okafor isn't a track athlete. <laughs> like, as I watch him in the NBA, 
you only have 24 seconds each possession. By the time he gets down the court, gets his wide load down there, he's 13 just, seconds left. He's not fleet on his feet, man. He's just, uh, it's been a problem. So here I am killing Okafor and our Duke Basketball Junkies <laughs> podcast. But I am excited. Like the Sixer situation isn't a good situation for him. They're not, they're running like an up tempo, quick fire, like, you know, three and D kind of offense with, they're only playing one big. He never gets on the court unless you know Embiid isn't playing, and like Noel, Nerlens Noel plays more the style that Philly wants to play. So I don't think he has a future with the Sixers, um, and he's just been sitting out games, and I feel bad for him. Um, I'm glad when he plays, he's starting and getting some minutes and scoring some points. It's got to be tough on him knowing that he's going to be moved, and he. I, it, would you disagree that he never bought into? the process for the Sixers like he was pretty unhappy when he got drafted by them I mean he was really unhappy I don't know I don't know if that's the case that opening press conference they give, even, him, give him the jersey and then he just drops it on the floor no nah, that didn't happen that was that was fake news <laughs> that was fake news that was fake news yeah I mean there was one one cut of it that made it look like that yeah but there was a table right there and he was holding it with the bottom on the table and if you watch the whole thing it's just normal. He just like puts the jersey down, he drops the jersey on the table. Like what else would he do? The picture's over, and the, so do the other guys. But like they cut it to make it look like that, and then that fight he got in, and he had you know he had a, a couple of news stories cut against him essentially. Yeah. And the Sixers fan base didn't like the draft pick. Why? Because they had Embiid and Noel, New Orleans Noel. They wanted the guard. Sixers need a point guard. Need the shooting guard. Need guys like out in the perimeter shooting. And Okafor is like the opposite. It's like, you know, it, that that that's sort of the reason he the was, deck was still, he was still the quote unquote correct pick for that no. draft slot. No, at number three, then trade down. The coach, the coach. Well, I think their intention was to trade him quickly, hmm. relatively quickly. They I think, think Hinky was going to trade him after this, you know, during the summer, and Colangelo should have traded him because uh, he's probably getting less value than he would have gotten at the draft. Because people were fascinated by Okafor. I don't know if they are anymore. Uh, just enough to trade a protected first-round pick and dump a salary. <laughs> so it's not that impressive. So, I mean, do you know of the the Pelicans? Are, do they want to protect, like, a top-five pick, top-ten pick? Top, top, top 15. Wow, top and 15. Dump, and dump a small contract. So basically, Omar Asik, Yeah. Uh, He's the bigger deal. He's got $33 million left on his deal, and he's he's just worthless and old at this point. So that would be a straight salary dump. If they just wanted to trade him, the Sixers could probably, or some team could get like a like a protected first-round pick just for that. So they want that. They want that plus to get Okafor, right? So the rumor is that that's too much. Yeah. Would, the pick would need to be unprotected. And New Orleans is in one of the bottom. They're one of the bottom ten teams in the NBA. Yeah, so. that could be Anyhow, a juicy, juicy pick. Yeah, it's uh the value they're getting for. If they get anything pretty good for him, you know, Philadelphia fans will be happy. But really, what I want for Okafor is a good spot where they're, they're going to run an offense, and he'll be protected on defense. We're going to run an offense where he gets looks, where he gets to develop. Because I still think he could be a better defensive player. Uh, and I'm hoping it's just his knees to blame. And uh, he'll be able to get into better shape at some point and, and do it. Um, but he's, you know, when he came out of Duke, I thought he was, 
thought he had a shot to be like an NBA, NBA All Star, Hall of Famer. I mean, <laughs> boy, I didn't. I, that didn't happen, right? Now Tyus Jones can't get in. Can't get any playing time. I saw him at Justice the end Winslow's of the game. Justice Winslow's like injured. Okafor. Wait, Justice Winslow is out for the season, and then Miami goes on an eleven-game winning streak. Yeah, dude. That looks bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks real bad. I mean, Winslow's shooting like twenty percent from the field. Yeah, he's like. There's no he, doubt he's a he's, good defensive I, player. I feel like out of qualified three-point shooters in the league, he was the worst. Yeah, his shooting has not translated to the NBA yet. People are expecting it to. His defense has. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are out yeah. him. And it, it, it probably doesn't have directly to do with him that, that he's out. Other guys are out. Like, Dion Waiters is playing out of his mind. Dragic, Dragic is playing out of his mind. But it is weird. I've, I don't think it's ever happened before where their team was in the bottom three of the lottery and then it rips off 11 straight wins. Uh, That's tough to do. It's pretty incredible. To win 11 games in the NBA. Yeah. Jabari Parker, by the way, is we mentioned him in Milwaukee. He's just tearing it up. Talk about efficient offense. Every time I look at the box score, he's a fifty percent or above or close to, you know, for a guy who's taking a lot of outside shots. Yeah. And his finishes at the rim, go on YouTube and look at like Jabari Parker's top plays for the year. It's vicious. He's way more athletic than people gave him credit for coming out of Duke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's looking like I like Jabari. He's looking pretty great. I like Jabari. He's one of the best guys under 25 in the league. Um, Kyrie Irving hit a huge shot last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Wizards-Cavs game that kind of stopped the bleeding a little on the Cavs. We definitely got some ballers in the league. Yeah. We might have more coming. More more going to be coming. Some of these guys that are, you know, Kyrie Giles might be a baller in the league, but he's... It's just a marginal role player right now for us. That's, just, that's too bad. But, uh, okay. Um, can't wait for this UNC game. Must I th- win. I think we're going to win. I Must think we're going to win. It's going to be a rallying point in the season. It's going to be terrific. Coach K's back. Did you want to say anything about Jeff Capel and the job he did real quick before we, we, we call it back? Yeah, I mean, just real quickly, I thought, despite the 4-3 and three record, I, I thought he did a pretty good job, you know, Um if you listen to his press conferences, post game, uh, in game interviews, like pretty insightful, you know. And he published that article about his dad right in the middle of the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know why it came then, but, but like I just gained an appreciation for him. That was one of the best, you know, sports articles I read. Yeah. Uh, in recent memory, it was terrific. It's a lifer. It's all family lifers. Basketball lifer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, we're lucky to have him. Yes. Yeah. I think I think Duke is very lucky to have him. Yeah. Not just as a recruiter. I like some of the coaching things he did. I like that he played a deeper bench. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting he to see. It up. He mixed it up a lot. You know, yeah. He was just trying different things. Yeah. I like that. I mean, with Coach K, you know what you're going to He's going to play his best players 37 to 40 minutes. You just sort of know it. We'll see. We'll see what happens against a deep North Carolina team on Thursday. And then who we play Saturday? We play Clemson at home. Oh, thank God. No, I, I think that's <laughs> going to be a tougher game than people think. Yeah? Yeah. Come on. We're going to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to kill those guys. All those easy games I thought we had in that five-game stretch, I mean, those were all close games. As long as Greg Buckner doesn't come with the team, we'll be okay. 
That's the last time we lost to Clemson, I think. I just remember Clemson and UNC in the handshake line. Uh, Clemson's coach giving it, giving Roy Williams the business. Roy Williams backed down, apologized. Yeah, I mean, if Rick Barnes had stayed there, they they ended up being like a basketball powerhouse. No, but, they wouldn't. Rick Barnes left because he knew he couldn't beat UNC and Duke. Yeah, but he was building something there. And yeah, he's a, he's, he's a good coach. Yeah. He was the best coach they ever had. Is, where is he? Is he at? I think he's at Tennessee now, right? He left Texas. He's at Tennessee. I lost track of Rick Barnes. Yeah. Who knows? Hey, if you guys know where Rick Barnes is these days, send us an email to uh, Duke, Duke Basketball Junkies at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, if you were the line monitor that kept Pete out of the, out of the game back in 1998, the only, only time we beat UNC during our undergrad career at home. Uh, you know, let us know. Send your apologies to dukebasketballjunkies at gmail.com. Uh, did you burn a bench at least that year? No. Were you even out there? Were you still up when we were all burning no, benches I, I out in the quad? I, I think once we got denied, we we drove out to Chapel Hill to watch the game. Was that the, the year UNC that uh, public safety uh, beat up some, some undergrads or maced some undergrads? I don't recall that. Yeah, I remember Konopelski. Something happened to Konopelski. Maybe was, kind of supposed to get arrested. It was collateral damage in there. Yeah, it was all night. sorts of man. We didn't we didn't know how to burn benches. Like they were, they didn't want us to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought it got banned after our freshman or sophomore year. So. Can you you can no longer burn benches ever again? This is not a thing anymore. They, I vaguely vaguely recall it, but I think they had a, like a controlled bonfire. Yeah, it yeah. was something like that. Just a weak sauce, you know. Burn it all down, guys. If we win Thursday, make it happen. Talking to you, Pie. All right. Thanks for coming, Pete. Nice to talk to you again. All right, guys. All right. Back to the baby. Go, Duke. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell.